You know when you search for something on Netflix, what you get is only a fraction of what they really have? The streaming service actually has more than 18,000 titles globally, but only about 6,000 of those are available in the good old US of A. That means you're missing out on literally thousands of great shows. Unless, of course, you use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is an app that lets you change your online location, protecting your devices from unwanted snooping and allowing you to control where streaming services and other websites think you're located. There are over 100 different locations to choose from, which means you have access to thousands of new shows and movies no matter where you live. This doesn't just work with Netflix, it works with Disney+, Hulu, Max, a UK streamer called BBC iPlayer, and more. I was on a work trip in the UK during the final season of Game of Thrones, and I tried logging into my HBO account to watch a new episode, but the technology wouldn't let me because of geoblocking. And I wish I had this app at that moment, because I now realize how incredibly easy it is to work around that problem. Here's a more recent example. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is not streaming on Netflix in the US, but I just fired up the episode where Dennis tries to have a peaceful mental health day, and technology keeps interrupting his plans. All I had to do was open ExpressVPN, connect to a UK server, refresh Netflix, and the show just popped up. It's super easy. I've also heard good things about that show called Billions, but I've never been a Showtime subscriber, so I've never seen it. But it's actually available right now on Netflix in South Korea, and with ExpressVPN, it took five seconds to switch over and start checking it out. With ExpressVPN, you get high-quality streaming from devices like your phone, laptop, tablet, and TV, and crucially, it protects your privacy and security to keep your information safe from hackers. Stop missing out on great TV and get thousands of new shows with ExpressVPN. We got them to give you all three extra months free when you use our special link, expressvpn.com slash slash film. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slash film to get three extra months completely free. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Home Daily for Friday, June 10th, 2022. On today's episode, we're going to have a spoiler filled discussion about Miss Marvel Episode 1 Generation Y. This is Slash Film Editorial Director Peter Soretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Editor Brett Oman. Hey, that's me. So uh, this aired on Wednesday. We we normally do a spoiler discussion podcast on Wednesday or the Friday, whenever Disney Plus likes to release the episodes. Have they changed everything to Wednesday now? It yeah, seems pretty, like it. yeah, pretty much everything is Wednesday now. Yeah, I think they're like Netflix as Friday, so well... Yeah. Yeah, there was a whole Wednesday. big thing when they like announced that they were going to switch new releases to Wednesday. So, and now we got like a special double up time because we have Obi Wan and Ms. Marvel for like three weeks crossing over. Yeah. So the problem there is we can't really record. I mean, we could record two spoiler discussion episodes on a Wednesday, but I got to tell you, it takes a lot of work. We, Yes, it does. Like I, it, Brad knows this because I, you know, I get up at like seven or eight and I like, I, you know, I watch it the night before, like Obi-Wan and I put together the notes that we go through for this podcast and it, it goes down to the wire. Like today we're recording at like one and I've been working all morning, uh, you know, compiling these notes. I rewatch or rewatch with like, uh, it's not hard work, folks. Not, not saying it's backbreaking or anything. It just takes time is what I'm, what I'm saying. And uh, so we're, I think, going to plan to do some Miss Marvel spoiler discussions on Fridays. 
Um, Maybe the Thursdays, is... depending on how timing works out. Yeah, yeah. Um, but certainly not um, on Wednesdays until Obi-Wan is over. <laughs> yes, correct. Which Obi-Wan will be over in two weeks. So I guess this 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 whole thing only qualifies the next two weeks until the next thing yeah, that until, Disney Plus. Yeah, I feel like it might get more complicated in the future when there's more Star Wars shows and more Marvel shows at the same time. Yeah. Um, okay, let's give our brief reaction. I'll go first. I know I've said this with like almost every Marvel thing in the last like a uh, few Marvel things, but this is different than any other Marvel thing before this. <laughs> but I, I know I've been saying that, and I know I sound like a broken record, but this actually does like seem like so stylistically different than anything mm-hmm. Marvel has done before. Like sure. from the costumes to like just the tone, like it feels. You know, I, while I was watching the first episode, I almost felt like I was in some, you know, high school auditorium in Park City watching, you know, an indie coming of age film because that, that's what it reminded me of. Like, I, I feel like there's a bunch of indie coming of age films that have had this like aesthetic of like this, these like the person's animated, like uh, their art coming to li- life yeah. in the background and stuff like that. Daydreams and things like that. Yeah. Um but I'm really, I'm really digging this. I, 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 this is shooting a lot younger in demographic than I think I was anticipating. Um, but you know, even as someone who's in uh, the uh, midlife, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Uh, maybe because I, I relate. Um, I'm still a kid at heart, and I relate to the whole struggle of, uh, you know, give up your dreams and fantasies. You know, you got to be, you know, you got to have a real job. And that's, you know, something obviously when, you know, I started Slash Film, uh, <laughs> that was my, that was my compromise of like, oh, no, I could still like fantasize and love movies and make that a job. Um, and, uh, you know, so there's a lot to relate with this character, even though I'm a white male who doesn't, you know, uh, have, uh, some of the stuff that this show is going to get into, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm really digging it. Uh, Brad, what is your what are your brief thoughts? Yeah, I think the show is great. It basically feels like um, Marvel doing their own like coming of age Sundance storyline, uh, but just with that superhero uh, flair. You know, and it's got some Scott Pilgrim stylistic touches in it, and it also reminded me of uh, that Netflix series Never Have I Ever. Obviously, that series is about you know an Indian American girl, but having uh, you know, Ms. Marvel be uh, Pakistani and focusing on a, a family and really making their their culture prominent and part of the show. Um, I got that vibe from it from it as well. But yeah, it's very charming, uh, very funny. Even though, like you say that, like it skews younger. I mean, like the the topic is definitely like teenage oriented, but I feel like the story still feels universal in the way that like any coming of age movie does. Because no matter what culture you're from, growing up, you know has a lot of similarities. Like, obviously we, we all endure certain, uh, you know, kinds of adversity based on our backgrounds and whatnot, but there's a lot of universal appeal here. I think for anybody, whether you're a teenager right now, or, you know, whether you were a teenager. And so I, I, I like that, uh, aspect of it a lot. And uh, I really like the visual style here too. You know, it's, um, there's some deceptively, uh, seemingly simple, like 
camera work that is so seamless you might not even notice how cool certain shots are uh we'll get to like some of the specific elements once we do our breakdown but there was a lot of stuff i really liked in here and it honestly made me think that the uh the directing duo of this episode would actually do really well with a spider-man movie if john watts uh decided not to come back for for another one oh yeah spider-man homecoming is probably the like the high school stuff in that is probably the closest that we've seen in the mcu yeah to what this is doing but even then it's like this is so much more stylish so much more um even in like the action like there was a point where she falls i think off the roof and through like a branch of a tree yeah onto the ground and like she's like not hurt like and i feel like in any other marvel movie that would be like a big thing <laughs> I mean, like, it, it's more grounded than that i think um i, I mean when you don't have superpowers, because at that point she didn't have any like, you know, she was she was she didn't have super serum or anything like that. Um, super soldier serum. Okay, let's get into our breakdown. Uh, this episode, episode one, is called Generation Y, which I think is a great title. Uh, I mean, it was such a great title that they used it for the sh- the show, and it was the the title of volume two of the comics. But I also think it's great because it differentiates this hero from the Avengers. You know, the Avengers are mostly Generation Xers, except for maybe Captain America. And uh, she's part of Generation Actually Y, not W-H-Y. And uh, she's grappling with what, uh, who she wants to be, who she should be. Um, yeah, I thought it was a good title. Uh, do you like the title? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Okay. I, I look too hard into things. Everybody knows that. Uh, and speaking of looking too close at things, the Marvel opening features Captain Marvel more prominently. It has new footage from Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and even a little bit of Moon Knight in there as well. So they're always updating that. And it goes into the stop motion animated intro, which is super cool. And kind of you get to relive the the fight from Avengers Endgame in like this cool animation style. I don't know how she only has like three views. I feel like if this was on YouTube, it would go viral. Uh, Yeah. When I I was watching this, I was like, how does she know all these intimate details about this fight? Because I I would assume everybody on earth, like, you know, heard about the fight, but like there was no camera, you know, it wasn't on earth. How does she know? And we do learn in, in the course of her retelling of this, that she has, compiled the details of this together using scott wang's podcast big little me which i think is a great title um which apparently is uh from the this powered life network aka this american life uh which got me thinking brad if if marvel were to make a podcast i mean marvel has made podcasts but it's been like uh either you know uh non-fiction or like a narrative like story like they did like a wolverine thing if they were going to make a podcast where paul rudd played scott wang interviewing other marvel characters on his like fake like you know in universe in you know 616 mcu universe podcast would you listen to that fake podcast absolutely (laughs) marvel make it happen um so she uploads the this to her YouTube channel. It's called Sloth Baby Productions. And we later see that she sleeps with a sloth plushie. So she likes sloths. And uh, in the comics, she 
<clears throat> she was this Captain Marvel fangirl who wrote fan fiction uh, under the name Sloth Baby, but she wrote it in like forums and stuff like that. So they've adapted it to animated shorts on YouTube here, which I like. And uh, the only two people watching her videos and commenting are her friends, which is kind of sad. But maybe that'll change. Okay, so uh, let's talk about Kamala Khan really quickly. She's played by a Pakistani-Canadian actress named Ayman Valanti. Volani? Yeah, that's Volani. Sorry. Um, I think she's just delightful here. What, what do uh-huh. you think of her in this? Yeah, I love her. I think she's fantastic. Yeah, and um, I remember reading, apparently when she did the audition, she did it over like the computer, like Zoom or something like that. And the producers were actually taken aback because like she did it in her bedroom and her entire like wall of her bedroom had like Avengers posters and stuff like that. So she's like... Uh, a big Marvel fangirl in her own respect. Um, but uh, I love, um, you know, obviously this character is Pakistani and uh, I love that that isn't just a character, like a part, like, like a piece of her. It's not just like, like a, uh, you, you list it on the, the character traits or you, I don't know what you, you want to say. Like, I, I feel like this is a big part of the story as her and her family. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. So uh, she's an artistic person uh, and we see that in the opening sequence, but we also see that she like, that she has daydreams uh, with Captain Marvel flying uh, over, like over the New York skyline we saw the, the murals on the building is coming to life as th- they like drive by. Do you, if, my question here is I love this. I think it looks so visually cool and I'm not sure how I feel about this yet as much as I like it. Like, I'm just a visual person. So I, I like things that are like visual like that, but I was thinking while I was watching it, do you think there it's purposeful or do you think it's gimmicky? Like the whole animated opening? Or just like, you know, the animated stuff happening in, in the background of her world. No, I think I, I think it's just it's adds, I don't think it's gimmicky. I think it adds like a nice flourish that like make, give, gives us the story that like firmly is in her perspective. You know, like the way we, we see kind of the world in like a way that that she does, you know, this kind of daydreamy kind of thing. And like she's always thinking about, you know, superheroes and all this stuff. And so I think like having that extra artistic flourish is a way of making it feel like you're in firmly in like a teen's world you know like a lot of times in school you're always doodling and thinking about anything other than school you know uh so i i like stuff like that yeah and i like how later in the episode like they're texting back and forth and like the words are appearing like on her ceiling as part of like the sky projection in her, her like the star projection in her room and there's a, like on the road and on the neon yeah, that sign was, that was one of my favorite things uh as far as how they did that because it can be kind of boring sometimes to visualize text conversations and just see like phone screens and or like just the, t- the text popping up in graphic bubbles like this was a cool way to make it part of the scene with like uh and like feel the production design like that whole sequence when bruno is walking home and you see it on the ground on the neon signs and all, all that <laughs> stuff it was it was very cool for sure. Uh, so she botches her driving test. Uh, she's kind of an outcast at school. 
Um, I should mention all the names on the plaque of her high school are people who helped write, create, ink, draw the Miss Marvel comics. So that was kind of a cool uh, tribute to them. And uh, she wants to go to the first ever Avengers Con and enter her cosplay, a Carol Danvers cosplay, into the cosplay competition. And uh, her two main friends... One's named Bruno. He's played by Matt Lintz. And uh, you might recognize him. He was in Pixels. And he was Henry on The Walking Dead. And uh, the uh, her girlfriend is Nakia, I think is how it's pronounced. And uh, she's played by Yasmin Fletcher. Uh, this is kind of her first big thing. Uh, so uh, there's a setup of this girl named Zoe at the school who at first is kind of friendly to her, but then not really. It seems kind of like looking down upon her, like her explaining that like her necklace is her name and uh, whatever. Uh, the, the Like, what do you get a sense of like, what is this girl being set up to play? Because at, at first I thought it was like maybe kind of friendly, but it, then it became kind of like a mean girl kind of character to it. Yeah. I think it's somewhere in between. And, I, and part of me wonders if like, they're trying to avoid making her like too much of a two dimensional character. And so like, they're making her not quite bad, but also not quite genuine when it comes to how she treats um, Kamala. Yeah. I think like the, probably the best Marvel comparison is maybe like flash from the Spider-Man movies. Yeah. Cause flash is like, he's a douchebag, but like, he's not, always like a like a total asshole i guess <laughs> <laughs> he's friendly and helps sometimes when it serves him yeah um okay so bruno is the one creating kamala's cosplay costume while working at circle q this is a bodega which he works in i'm guessing his family lives above it this is what seems yeah yeah um Okay, I will say, I try not to be too critical of, of stuff, but I thought this was weird that he's the one, like, spray painting her costume because she seems like such a creative person. And, like, why isn't she making the costume and him making the tech? It seemed weird that they gave, like, him the, like, I don't know. It, it's weird that he's, I, I mean, I guess she made most of the rest of it and he's just doing the airbrushing. So, yeah, maybe it's just like he's, maybe he's better with like the airbrushing gadget of it. And like, cause even though she can yeah. draw and stuff like that, it's not everyone's good at every artistic endeavor, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, her family receives a package from their grandma. What, what do they call her grandma? Nana or something? I don't, I didn't write it down. Uh, but they received this package which her mother says is just a box of junk. It contains a, uh, uh, what would you call this? It's like a bracelet. They call it something else later on. Uh, not brooch. Uh, yeah, I'm going to call it a, a bracelet for now. Uh, that uh, will come into play later. And so Kamala and her mom run errands in this like South Asian it's a, it's neighborhood. A, it's, a, it's a bangle. Bengal. That's the word I was looking for. Yes. Uh, so they run errands in this like little Pakistan of sorts. And uh, Bruno has created the Zuzu system, which connects and controls all the devices in their home. So it's basically like a makeshift Alexa <laughs> or, just, or Siri. They could have just gone on Amazon for 20 bucks, gotten 
Alexa. But uh, they're amazed by the system. Uh, so, so Kamala asked her parents if. Oh, I, I should ask you this because I, I, I actually didn't like take note of this. But later in this episode, the Zulu or Zuzu, Zuzu, the Zuzu system kind of like isn't working and her, her father's like yelling at it. Is, was there any reason for that? Or like, are they trying to say that Bruno, his, all his gadgets don't work properly? Or was that something caused by like her getting the, the bangle? Like, I, I, I didn't really connect the dots of what was, why it went wrong. I, yeah, I think if I remember correctly, I think that's what that's what was like. It was the idea was that it was there was something that was just weird that was going on in general. Ah, okay. Um, so Kamala asked her parents if she can go to Avengers Con, but they don't trust her, or I guess they don't trust everybody else. Even though uh, they probably would let her brother go. Uh, in the comics, I should say that the, it wasn't. There's no Avengers con, con in the comics. It's just like this party in a field with their classmates, as far as I remember. Um, so her parents eventually decide to let her go to Avengers Con, but only under the accompaniment of her father and dressing in matching, embarrassing Hulk costumes. Uh, and uh, her mom doesn't want her to go in a skimpy outfit like the other girls because that is not her. Um, what, what did you think of like this, the whole dynamic of her and her parents and they're kind of like, um, over, you know, that them kind of uh, be, being in her life in a, in a big way. Yeah. I mean, this is like something, this is one of the things that really ties into seeing the Pakistani culture depicted in the relationship between parents and their, their siblings. And this is one of the things where like, I really felt the similarities to never have I ever, because the main character in that is Indian American. And she feels a lot of pressure from her family because of their uh, Indian customs and culture and just how uh, they're, they're more resistant to certain things that American teens are more acclimated to because uh, you know, th those cultures can be a little bit more conservative about a variety of things that teenagers uh, engage in much more freely in America. And so I, I like having that that angle for a character like this who has to struggle with, you know, a, a bit of a different home life on top of the general pressures of just being a teen. Yeah. And there's the obviously the late in their hypocrisy of like them giving the the male of the family, the brother, like more freedom and they're yeah. allowing her especially, especially because he's like more in tune and like involved with like their with the pakistani culture and their religion and stuff yeah so um i love that this episode deals i mean this series deals with someone who is like a fan like it's the first time i mean i guess spider-man uh, peter parker was kind of a fan of but she but she's like even more so like spider-man doesn't have any like you know avengers artwork or posters on his wall or anything like that like she's like she's basically like the real world uh, the marvel cinematic universe equivalent of like a fan of the mcu in our world yeah she's creating a costume she's going to convention this is a person who you know creates fan art for the internet uh her her parents don't support that life is telling her to grow up and conform to the plans they had for her. And uh, she dreams of saving the world, but uh, you know, obviously has no superpowers and her real friend supports her delusions uh, because he wants to see her happy. And not only that, he has created a, a photon gloves for her to wear. Uh, 
Photon is the name of Monica Rambeau's character, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. One of yeah. Uh, yeah, it's one of her Captain Marvel aliases, I guess you could say. Yeah. So there's a moment here that you think they're gonna they might kiss, and uh, they don't. And I think it's supposed to mimic. There was a moment earlier in the episode where Kamala is watching an episode of Felicity. Deep cut here, uh, Felicity, and she's watching it upside down. And the two characters have their first kiss. So uh, do, do you think that these two, do you think Bruno and Kamala are going to get together? Uh, well, I mean, that's clearly the the will they, won't they, that's kind of set up, you know, here is because like Bruno clearly uh, is definitely into Kamala and she's kind of just oblivious to it, to it all and, and like has a very good friendship with him. So there, there's definitely going to be a part of that that comes into play throughout the show. And with that question is the question, do you think her parents would be okay with her dating Bruno? Uh, you know, I don't know. We, it's based on like how they view her and like her lifestyle choices. Maybe not, you know, because a lot of times yeah. they you know, they want them to, you know, marry within their, their culture. Um, but, you know, because of Bruno's relationship to her and because of how much they, they like him, maybe they wouldn't be opposed to it. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out because they're definitely, you know, uh, leading into into that. Uh, so Kamala devises this plan to sneak out of the house and go to Avengers Con with Bruno's Zuzu system providing the cover for them. And I love how, like, they do. she does this whole planning sequence that she kind of draws out on a chalkboard and there's, like, all this, like, uh, pieces of paper. But we also see flashes to what it's supposed to look like and. In these flashes, she's actually wearing like the actual Captain Marvel costume and not just, you know, the costume that she puts together for the cosplay contest. Yeah. So it's like how she envisions things to go and how they don't go that way. But um, uh, so Bruno suggests uh, that she personalizes her cosplay uh, because that's what they're looking for. And she goes home and she finds uh, that bracelet, that bangle. Bingle? Yeah, Bingle. Uh, from her grandmother in the attic. And this is a big change to how the comics deal with this. Do, do you know how the comic, what she's like in the comics? As far as her superpowers? Or like how she gets the superpowers? Oh, uh, isn't it, it's some kind of accident, isn't it? Yeah, it's like in, in the comics. Well, in the comics, she's an inhuman which she's not here because, you know, they don't exist. In- oh, yeah, Terrigen Mist, doesn't it? Doesn't yeah, it, Thanos it? Yeah. sets, like, off the Terrigen Mist in New York City and uh, basically allows her to shapeshift, so her powers are actually even different, and or she gets a different way, but here she's going to get it from this Bengal. Uh, she, uh, so here it's almost, uh, people online, fans are calling this, a, the, like, a Cree nigga band. Do you do you think this is associated with the Crees? Like, uh, it's kind of like them from the, from the comics. Uh, I mean, that's an interesting idea because that would give her a more direct tie to Captain Marvel. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there is something there that's like tied to to alien technology, especially since that we there's this mysterious background about her her grandmother and and whatnot. And there's clearly something that like everybody else knows or at least is wondering about because when as soon as her mom saw the bangle she was like there was a knowing look in her eye like okay i need to keep that away from everybody but it's also weird that a grandma just like stuck in a box of like junk 
that she's, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like it wasn't like, I don't know. I feel like if her grandmother knows how powerful that thing is, it feels like it would, it should have been mailed more protected. Well, maybe, well, maybe her grandma isn't aware though. Maybe that's something they kept from uh, her and like everyone else is yeah. like kind of knows there's something weird about it, but like they didn't tell her. Yeah. Um, uh, okay. We'll talk about our powers later, but I do, do want to say that Cree nigga band is kind of a callback to the first version of Captain Marvel from the comics, the Marvel character has like these uh bands so okay so her plan goes wrong kamala loses her bus try or loses her bike trying to get on the bus and uh but they they eventually get to the con not all is lost i mean i guess her bike is lost and um this is set at a location that we've been at a few times throughout the mcu so far the Camp uh, Lehigh. Mm-hmm. Where, where have we seen this before, Brad? Uh, it's uh, has been named the 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 birthplace of Captain America because that's where uh, Steve Rogers famously trained and then uh, was able to get the Super Soldier Serum to become Captain America. And that's also where Zola was hiding in the computers, and yeah, it's also base. yeah, it's also where they did that time heist in Endgame. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, we've been there quite a few times and now it seems like it's used as an event space now. Yeah, uh, it's just it, a normal space. Yeah. Uh, it's become a convention center. Uh, there's a statue of Captain America outside that looks like the one that they actually built in Brooklyn, which I, I want to visit someday. Like they actually built a, a Captain America statue. Like he's like a, a hero uh, to, to Brooklyn, New York and Brooklyn. Um, and um, you you enter through Hulk's mouth, which is fun. They, uh, you, I'll say this, Brad. Usually, when I when I see movies or TV shows that show comic conventions, I am usually kind of like upset about it because they usually do not get it right in any way. Yeah. And here. It is completely different than any other I think we've ever seen on movies or TVs. How they present a comic convention is like so stylized. Uh, what did you think of Avengers Con? It's maybe a little more. Um, it's like it's almost like it kind of went the other way because like a lot of times conventions don't really feel like quite as uh, big or cool as they do when you're actually at the conventions. And here it almost feels like they they went a little overboard in making it like this huge immersive, you know, uh, experience. Um, so like you don't normally see stuff quite like this, or at least as quite as plentiful. Um, like there are photo ops and they do, they have cool like set pieces and, and booth displays and stuff like that. But this, this felt like it was like really in like invested in like making Avengers con, cool and like maybe a little bit cooler than than most convention experiences yeah and kevin feige has actually come out and says he would love to do an an actual avengers con someday which i would love to go to because they're they already do you know they do d23 they do comic-con uh well they do comic-con sometimes like they're not doing it this year i think because they're doing D23 this year and uh, they, they do Star Wars celebration. So if Star Wars gets its own convention, why don't, why doesn't Marvel? Marvel has so much more to it. Uh, this year at D23, actually, they're 
they usually like do this panel with all the live action movies, which includes all the Disney live action films, Star Wars, Marvel. It's like this like I think last time it happened it was like a 3 hour long panel. It was like insane. And this year they've actually split off Marvel and Lucasfilm into its own panel and then the rest of the live action into its own panel. So I think they should just make an Avengers con. I I would be down. Yeah. Uh, there's so many references here, probably too many to mention or point out. Brad, do you have any favorites of, uh, while they were like showing them having fun in Avengers con, was there anything worth pointing out? Uh, no, you know, I just, I, I like, uh, you know, seeing the, like the cosplay in this one particular, like is better than any cosplay you normally see, uh, in movies that show conventions and stuff like that, because, even though there are some like costumes that are like just thrown together and kind of makeshift, there's also a lot of really good uh, cosplay. And I feel like uh, most, you know, conventions that you see in movies don't really uh, pay close attention to that. But here there are clearly a lot of fans who like just made awesome costumes and you just pay attention to the background and see a lot of, I, I'm, I'm betting that they probably put out like a legit like casting call for like big Marvel fans who had like all this stuff ready and had them be extras (laughs) in this scene. Yeah, but it was also like not even just like recreate. Like usually when you go to Comic Con, you see a lot of. Um, well, I mean, you do see some clever, funny things, but you see a lot of like people actually trying to recreate the costumes in a major way. Here, like, it felt more like uh, put together at home. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I mean, there's a, yeah, there's a there's a there's a mix. I think. Yeah, uh, we, we wrote an article on the site. I remember one of the writers revealed that they they were going to have a guy dressed in a full Korg cosplay that couldn't get through security because the barriers were too like uh, too too close together. Uh, but they didn't actually film it. Um, but I, I like them. I like there's a memorial for all those who have fallen, including Black Widow and Iron Man, and um, the Giant Man photo op. It's kind of cute, especially mm-hmm. with the, uh, they recreated this, the the uh, go, uh, the San Francisco Bay with like a pool of water. Yeah, it comes into play later, and there's um I even like that they they kind of had a nod to like Artist Alley with like there was like someone selling like this cutesy uh, image of Captain America, but it was like focused on America's ass. And uh, yeah, there one thing we didn't see here, Brad, is Spider Man. Do you think that's a rights-related issue? More than likely, yes. Because probably having anything related to Spider-Man in a Marvel Studios production has to be approved by Sony, and that probably only goes as far as the deal that Marvel and Sony have struck to use Spider-Man in the MCU. Yeah, I'm surprised they couldn't just like have like someone in a generic Spider-Man costume. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I guess it's probably just they don't want to approach it. Um, and the other thing I thought that was notable worth mentioning is they were selling like toys from Ant-Man and the Wasp and it had the Ant-Man and the Wasp movie logo on it, but I guess it fits <laughs> I mean, yeah. in, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like the Ant-Man and the Wasp would have a logo and that would be it. So, um, it, is it weird that it's not just a cosplay contest, but it's specifically a Captain Marvel cosplay contest? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they had cosplay contests for 
all the other characters too, but obviously the one Kamala is interested in is Captain Marvel. So yeah, yeah, I think they do mention at the beginning of it that there was he a says something about America. Captain America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, also, is it weird? Okay, when this movie, when this show starts out, and she's such a big fan of Captain Marvel, I did that did not ring me as weird because there's someone who's a fan of everybody. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like every character has like its its own fandom. But Captain Marvel has not really been seen much by us on Earth. There isn't much documentation, as far as we know, of her. Um, so I thought she was just like, you know, one of the few people that likes Captain Marvel. I didn't think there was going to be enough people that like Captain Marvel to like have a cosplay contest. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm betting since the story of what happened in like Avengers Endgame has gotten around that they've heard what a big deal Captain Marvel was when she arrived and blew up Thanos' ship and like went toe to toe with him and, you know, was almost the one who did save the day. So, you know, a hero like that is definitely going to turn some heads and you're, you're there's going to be plenty of people who, who like Captain Marvel because of that. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Bruno puts on a lab coat, and Kamala asks what he's wearing. He says it's a Bruce Banner cosplay. He even has, like, the the flannel shirt, and it's a fun joke. I'm going to nitpick here for one second, Brad. Okay. It bothers me slightly that Bruno has put all this work into her costume. He's invested his time. He's her, her friend. It, she didn't even bother to ask what he was planning to do for for a costume for Avengers Con. I don't know. It seems like a one way relationship to me. Oh, for sure. I'm, I I'm, wouldn't be surprised if that's something that you know comes up at some point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, anyways, uh, Kamala accidentally leaves her proton gloves on the uh, behind in the bathroom and has to go on stage without it. And uh, did you recognize the announcer here? For yeah. Avengers? Yeah. This is uh, Ryan Penegos from from Marvel. You might recognize him if you watch uh, Marvel's YouTube channel. He's one of their co-hosts. He's always uh, talking about Marvel comics, Marvel TV shows, Marvel movies and everything. Uh, He's been on set visits with us because even though he works at Marvel, he still does like reporting on the Marvel site and everything. So even though he's in the know a lot more than we are about this stuff, he also acts as press and covers stuff just like we do. And so he's, he's a, he's a good dude. He's a fun guy. And it was, uh, it was cool to see him in the show. Yeah. He's a really nice guy. A lot of people might know him better as agent M. That's what his uh, Twitter handle is. And I think like in the last few years, he might've been promoted. I think he's now vice president and creative executive of Marvel new media. Oh, um, so fancy way to go. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it it was cool to see him here. Uh, and it makes sense. He lives in New York. He's one of those guys that like uh, kind of works for Marvel in New York, not Marvel, you know, here in Hollywood. Uh, so it makes sense that he he would actually, if they did an Avengers Con, I feel like he would be the guy on stage. Yeah, he would be a moderator hosting. for sure. Yeah. Uh, so uh, when she puts on the bangle, she discovers that it gives her some kind of like power. This blue light, like kind of envelops her body, almost yeah. like. The energy we saw in Monica Rambeau, Rambeau in uh, WandaVision. And she falls onto her back and through a portal. And we see it to like this eerie place where we see lots of figures with glowing eyes. Brad, w- what is going on here? 
it's definitely some kind of different plane of existence. It, it almost reminded me of like a creepier version of the spiritual plane in Black Panther. And mm. considering this has something to do with one of her, uh, you know, older relatives and like something that happened with them, I, there's there must be something here that like will be tied to uh, her family or something, maybe like an ancestral plane or something like that, where some there's some kind of line, you know, in her in her family that ties to this somehow. I'm wondering because that that bangle might have some kind of Cree origins, if like that could, those might be the Cree. That's that's also possible, yeah. But I, I honestly, I, I don't really know if if anybody out there has any theories on this. Email me at peter at com. So Kamala is uncomfortable up on stage and uh, accidentally sends a crystallized light out of her hands and shoots discs of light, accidentally knocking off the head of gi- the giant man statue. We should probably talk about her powers here. It's kind of like uh, Green Lantern's powers. A little bit like she can't she doesn't necessarily form like distinct objects, but she like crafts these like crystalline structures that she can step on or use as projectiles or like extend her her limbs and yeah, basically stuff like that. Yeah. And the other thing that seems clear here, especially after seeing this a second time this morning, is that the Bengal feeds off energy sources. So like when she was in her attic and she put it or like she picked it up the light in the background started flickering like it was like taking the energy of the light. And then here on stage, the camera flashes. So there's all these camera flashes and that seems to be what's feeding into. Oh, interesting. I didn't, I didn't, didn't like interpret it as I just, I, I took the camera flashes as something that started to like overwhelm her and that like made her powers act up because she wasn't able to like Hmm. control it. And so like it was coming from her and like her emotional state, but and so, like, yeah, I, w- I wonder if there's something to that. Because, like, for when I when I saw the lights flickering, I just thought it was because, you know, that kind of power just, like, messing with, you know, other sources of power in the area. Kind of like the way that, like, an EMP does or something like that. But that's that, – yeah. I, I do I do wonder if there is something about, like, en- other energy sources, like, influencing the, the power of the bangle. Yeah. And I was seeing some people on Twitter. I didn't come up with this. So, uh, but I did notice this in my second watch. And then I looked on Twitter. I do some searching and stuff. I saw some people talking about how maybe this could come into play because, uh, spoiler alert, Miss Marvel is going to be seen next in the Disney Plus. Wait, is it a movie or is it a TV show? What? The Marvels. The Marvels is a a movie. It's It's the Captain Marvel sequel. Marvels. Okay, so that's the movie. So she'll be seen next in that. Yeah. And people were theorizing that since Captain Marvel is like unlimited energy and power, that she's going to be basically be able to be the battery for Miss Marvel's powers. Oh, you know what I mean, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I thought that was interesting. Um, and then obviously, you know, because you always I, I like how when you have super powered people, you always have to give them like a disadvantage of some kind like Superman. Yeah. It's like kryptonite. And I guess if this if this is all true, if the speculation is all true, then if she's not near Captain Marvel or not near anything that like has power her, you know, she wouldn't have the power. So I think that would be kind of cool. Um, uh, the rampage of the giant man head. It was a little bit ridiculous. Yeah, you know, I, I thought it was going to be like just like a, a little bit of quick destruction, but it escalated into a, a crazy amount of destruction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it knocks down a giant version of Thor's hammer, which flies through the air, 
almost kills Zoe, but uh, Kamala catches her with her powers from afar. But Zoe doesn't see her, so she doesn't really know who saved her. Um, and she, even if she saw her, she wouldn't know that it was Kamala. Anyways, um, so Bruno bikes her back to her home where her mother is waiting for her, upset and disappointed. She says she's seen what happens when people become obsessed with their fantasies. Uh, and uh, she's clearly here talking about her grandmother, right? Her mother, I mm-hmm. should say. Uh, Kamala's grandmother. Uh what do you think the grandmother's story is? I mean, it clearly has something to do with the bangle and maybe it's, you know, so- something where sh- there was, I am maybe some kind of like flight of fancy of like what she could do with that power or something like that, maybe. And it ended up consuming her or something like that. Cause no one knows what happened to her, you know? So, uh, but it would, um, well, obviously she's still alive because she sent it, right? Like she, oh, wait a in minute. the beginning I'm so, there. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of whoever who who was who was the actual owner of the the bangle before the bangle. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So she's still alive somewhere, but I guess my question is like, it's not like we know, like in this universe, you know, when she goes into her attic and she gets the bangle, like there's also this like drawing of Captain America she did as a kid, which makes sense because Captain America. Uh, before he was frozen in ice, it was a, the only superhero that kind of existed. But I feel like there was no Pakistani superhero, or else she would have been drawing her right. Like, so it's not like her grandmother was a Marvel of some kind, right? I mean, or am I? Uh, it, I, I, it's possible. <laughs> who know? Who knows? Yeah. Uh, and this episode ends with her investigating her cosmic powers. Created by her grandmother's bangle, and she smiles. She likes it, and we have a rare mid-credit sequence on the first episode of this Disney Plus series, and it's a bunch of agents watching footage from Avengers Con, and uh, they decide to bring Kamala in. And did you know, Brad? We've seen this guy before. I did. I did, did recognize you- him. He's. He, this is the. Uh, the police officer, detective, what have you, who uh, interrogates Peter Parker and Aunt May and his friends after uh, it's revealed that he's Spider-Man in Spider-Man No Way Home. Yes. And his name is Agent Cleary, which is in, in the credits. You can find that. And you can also find Agent Deaver, who is the woman. And I'm sure we're going to find out more about them next week's episode, which I have already seen. So I can't speculate on it. Brad, have you seen? Next I have. Yes, I, I have already watched next week's episode. Yeah, so I think it'd be unfair for us to have a speculation section this week. Yeah. Um, Suffice to say, like, really just you you get what you get from this scene. And it's that there's going to be, you know, uh, this this agency who is uh, in looking interested in Kamala as, you know, a person of interest, basically. Yeah. And we could say that obviously he's in Homecoming and in Homecoming, he is an agent for the Department of Damage Control. Oh, that's right. That, I, for, I forgot that they had a name for that department. Yeah. Uh, so it seems like the Department of Damage Control now, like, investigates, like, possible well, te- superheroes or well, something. Te- well, technically, this would fall under damage control because she did damage quite a bit of things. Oh. That, that, good point. Good point. <laughs> uh, we, we have a ton of articles on Slash Film. Uh, 
I want to say like a dozen. I'll link them in the show notes if you want to check out any of them. Uh, there's like an article investigating every song in Miss Marvel episode one. Uh, the, the music was so good. Yeah. We'll have to talk about the directors in next week's episode because we just don't have time. to. But is there anything else you wanted to talk about, though? I, I did not touch on in my notes there. Uh, there was um, I because for, I forgot how early this scene was, but there was an interesting uh, Easter egg that happened in the um, in the background when Bruno and Kamala are having a conversation uh, on the, uh, a rooftop. There's a neon sign that you, you only see backwards um, on the, on the roof that says Edison Electric. Oh, yeah, and Edison Electric uh, references a a bit of a, a weird um, storyline in the Ms. Marvel comics. Uh, because Thomas Edison, uh, not the Thomas Edison that we know who like invented the light bulb and whatnot, uh, but it's his name's Thomas Edison, and he's a character called the Inventor, and he's one of Ms. Marvel's villains in uh, in the comics. So, the I don't know if that's like a just a little Easter egg or if it's a setup for something potentially to to come, but but yeah, that's that was something that was there in the background. Doesn't he take the form of like some kind of bird or something? I I honestly strange. don't know. Because someone else pointed out when I was like looking for Easter eggs that in the opening sequence, I think there's like a, a drawing that she did of like the bird and that is the Edison bird or whatever. And also on top of that, if you look in his room, Bruno's room, he has a Tesla uh, poster on his wall, which I mean makes sense because he's an inventor, but he's all, uh, you know, also the, the arch nemesis. Oh no! Are they are they going to turn Bruno into a villain? <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, they could. It's it would possible. Be, it would be an interesting turn if you know if things don't go the way he would want to. You know, as far as like a relationship, if he decided to turn turn on her, and because uh, we haven't really seen any teenage villains in Marvel, have we? Um. No, not really. I think the closest I mean, we came is like Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, but I always took them to be like in their early to mid twenties when they're introduced in Age of Ultron. Yeah, and and we we still don't know who the villain is here of this series. That's true. This series is only six episodes long, so we only have five left. I don't think that and... they would make him the villain of this season because, yeah, it, like you said, it's only six episodes. I feel like maybe that's something you could build to, like, and maybe tease at the end of the season or something like that. Yeah. Okay, I think we've reached the end of this episode of Slash Film Daily. You can find more of all of our work at SlashFilm.com. You can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, speculation to Peter at SlashFilm.com. And please, if you enjoyed this, head on over to Apple Podcasts. Write us like a one-sentence review. Give us five stars. Tell your friends. Spread the word. And we'll see you on Monday. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase. It's a culture, and the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.